I know, it's just that other preachers just seem so much better. They, they always draw a crowd. I don't know, they just seem to have everything together. Well, here goes. Well, maybe that's not exactly my inner thoughts. <laughs> Would be interesting though. What if there was a mic on in our internal dialogue? What if there was a mic on for our thoughts, our feelings, the way you go about making decisions? Because there is an inner life. It's what Peter calls the hidden person of the heart. And if we are pausing for a second to acknowledge, it's actually the external universe that triggers our internal life. It affects, it influences, and triggers what goes on inside. Things like uh, the economic circumstances. You may have difficulty with a job or, or finding a job or you're living paycheck to paycheck. And so it triggers our internal life, what we think about, how we feel, the decisions we make. Your physical health. And it triggers things. Why me? Why is this happening? Where is God? Relationships. You have a family member who's not talking to you. A relationship at work. And it activates things in our internal life. And the interesting thing is, so we're now we're identifying that we have this internal life, this hidden person of the heart. But the other challenge along with all these external circumstances is that our internal life is formed and the world shapes it in a very shallow way. Our experiences are significant and deep, but the world has tries to form us in a very shallow way. We are formed by things like likes and follows. In fact, followership online is monetized. The more you get, the more eventually you can become, uh, have an income based on followers or you become an influencer. Our, our world shapes us on these shallow matters, shapes our internal universe. Things like a wealth or a position you have. And so it forms us in a way that we begin to have this sense of uh, self-reliance or self-confidence. Or that we begin to think that we earn things, that earning is the way to go, that it's all based on what I deserve. I deserve, I deserve. We're also shaped in a shallow way to think that everything is perfect, it needs to be perfect, it needs to be ideal. Thank you, Facebook. And then life is, for the rest of the world, seems like life has, there are no issues. The only place there are issues is me. The cloud follows me. So this external world has such a bearing on our internal life. Blessed are those who are self-made and independent because they can do whatever they want. Blessed are the rich and famous because they have the best friends and great relationships. 
Blessed are those who have a high education and a steady job because they live life without issues. 21st century beatitudes. 21st century blessings. So that's what we depend on. Now we depend on it. And if I would define sin as alienation from God, alienation from our Creator, separation from our Creator, then it is sin in that sense that separation that teeters on the hubris of being independent. The sin is ultimately destructive. If God is holy and loving and gracious and merciful, if the further we go from that, the more destructive it becomes to us. And that all teeters on the hubris of independence. No wonder then, when Jesus starts his first what we might call sermon as recorded by Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, he begins with these words. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 1, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them. And just pausing there for a moment, I want you to notice the topology, the side of a mountain, this hillside place. Sitting to teach was a rabbinic posture. That's how they went about teaching. They sat to, to teach and they stood when they read scripture. So Jesus sees the crowd. He sits on the side of a mountain again, mountain again to teach. And he says in verse 3, the first part, blessed are the poor in spirit. What? What? Why is that? And to be sure, he is beginning his sermon intentionally in this way. This is the sequence. And he is speaking to the internal universe. He's speaking to our internal being. And the transformation that we are talking about over the course of this year for Jesus to be transformed begins with our internal life. Later on, uh, we will pause for some question and response time. And so I invite you, if you have a question, you can stand where you are and we'll bring a microphone to you. Or you can pick up your device and send a text or an email to us and we will respond in that way. And you can do that anytime while I'm talking. I will assume while you're on your phone that you are sending a message and not playing Candy Crush. <laughs> I'm gonna give that to you. So here he is, Jesus, and he's preaching and he says these words. Now the crowd that was gathering there was most likely primarily socio-economically poor people. They were the ones that were drawn to him primarily. The marginalized. The downtrodden. Oh, to be sure, there were probably some who were well off as well, but they came out of curiosity and interest because primarily they were threatened with Jesus already his presence. But could you imagine their internal dialogue leading up to this and then when they hear his first phrase, 
all those that are social downcast, marginalized, and so on, that are feeling that, and also those that are uh, sort of highfalutin. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now the word blessed means, or blessed, means uh, fortunate. Or having favorable circumstance. Fortunate are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit have a favorable circumstance, is what he's saying. And the phrase poor in spirit means uh, it's a particular kind of poverty. There are two uh, words for poverty. This word means humble or helpless. Humble or helpless. Spiritual, spiritually speaking, humble or helpless. So Jesus in this first instance is talking about the state of human beings. The the existential state of a human being before God. Before God who is perfect, yes, and all loving, gracious, and merciful, and perfectly holy. It is almost impossible for us to imagine, but that being the case, the state of a human being before perfectly holy God is one of humbleness and helplessness before God, before Him, we can't do nothing in our imperfection. But as we continue on in this sermon series, and even now this morning, we also need to realize that what Jesus is doing is He is teaching in paradox. That is, something that is perceived as being contradictory, but is actually true. Paradox as opposed to antinomy. Antinomy are things that are actually conflicting or contrasting. A paradox appears to be contradictory, but is actually true. That is how Jesus is preaching here, because it is so attention-getting and actually also true, and even though it seems upside down. So then the question is, what is the upside of doubt? Why is this the case? Well, verse 3, Jesus says, chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. Other gospel writers use the word, the phrase kingdom of God, which are essentially interchangeable. By the way then, when you use that word heaven, understand how you are using it. You think you might be dodging, taking the Lord's name in vain. Just pay attention. Because Matthew and the other gospel writers use kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God interchangeably. But he says that the poor in spirit, the humble and helpless in spirit are fortunate because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now kingdom is a difficult concept for us. We don't live with kingdoms anymore. We don't really have kings, but a king establishes a kingdom. A king establishes and makes what is a kingdom. And so it is King Jesus who by his rule and his reign and his presence establishes the kingdom of heaven. So it is what Jesus is saying is that it is presence of the Lord is favor to those who are 
poor in spirit. Presence is the favor, is the fortune above circumstance. It is that the Lord is present and He draws particularly near to those who are acknowledge their humbleness and their helplessness before God. He draws particularly near to them with His promises and His presence. And it is this relationship that goes one step further that He draws particularly near to them, but it is also that the person who accepts and understands that, accepts and follows the leading of this King, of the Lord. It is this presence in this relationship that establishes the Kingdom of Heaven. The Kingdom of Heaven on Earth. So then, the geographical location of the Kingdom of Heaven is first and foremost your internal life. That is the geographical location of the Kingdom of Heaven. It begins internally. So when we pray, Your Kingdom come on earth as it is in Heaven, that means that the Kingdom comes on earth as it is in Heaven. When human beings accept and follow the leading and kingship of Jesus in our internal life to begin with. So he is speaking first about the state of spiritual humbleness and helplessness, but here now he also includes the posture of spiritual poverty. The posture which is our yes to the ruling and leading of the Lord. Our cooperation with Him, if you will, as a church and as individuals. This is what God, Yahweh, had intended for the people of Israel, that they would be His yes. And they would be called as vessels to demonstrate. And so when we say yes individually and as a group, we fulfill the calling that was initially placed on the people of Israel. We become God's idea and design of the people of God. So the posture of this spiritual poverty, that posture, internal posture, is the place of the presence, the power, and the promises of Jesus Christ in the present. Reigning already now in the present. So Jesus is the rock at the bottom. It is exactly in this space where our relationship with Jesus Christ is forged. In that posture of humility and helplessness before Him, when we say yes to Him, I want you to be Lord, I want to follow you, I can't do this, you can do this, I need you, I'm going to depend on you. 
It is dependence on the Lord. It is solely depending, primarily, firstly depending on the Lord. It is what I would call soul, S-O-U-L, soul dependence. And some need to hit a level of bottom in order to acknowledge that I'm actually wiped out. There isn't something I can do here. Oh, I need to depend on the Lord. May it not be with you. But maybe it already is. But he says that is the fortunate part. Because it's in that space and in that place where he will preside and draw near to you and will do things in relationship with you that you are unaware of until you're in that place with him. You might think that Jesus is just preaching aspirationally, but Jesus himself, later in his ministry, fulfills and completes this entire sermon series. He completes it at the cross. Oh, he doesn't have the state of spiritual poverty, but as the Son of Man, he demonstrates in the posture of spiritual poverty as in the posture of entire dependence upon God the Father and the Holy Spirit when he goes willingly to the cross. If God the Father isn't perfectly loved and the Holy Spirit doesn't have the power to raise the dead, then Jesus, the Son of Man, is in trouble at the cross. So he puts it all there. And we get a glimpse of it on the night he was betrayed when he prayed. That's poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of heaven. And he wanted his disciples to join him in prayer, not because they could somehow affect him directly, but he didn't want them to miss out. But to be participants in the kingdom coming. And so the miracle here, and when I use the word miracle, I'm using it in the technical sense because I know that there are medical people here and I know that there are scientists here. So when I say miracle, I don't mean, oh, that was pretty amazing or that was awesome. I mean miracle in the sense that it wasn't of human origin. It was inexplainable. The miracle here is that Jesus in this sermon begins by revealing this and revealing this to us subsequently, revealing who he is and revealing who we are. That is a miracle because without him doing that, we would not know. Not only does he make this revelation to us, but now he hands this message over to the people then and to us to carry on. To accept, to follow, to extend, to amplify this message. The grace that he exudes, that even though we have this state of poverty before God, even though we are not perfect before a holy God, 
His grace is that He is willing to make us right before Him. That you are right before God when you say yes, Jesus. Every one of you, when you say yes to Jesus, you are made right before God. The theological word is justified. You are made right before Him through the power and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like everyone who says that. That is why He says it is a fortunate place when we acknowledge and we say, yes, Lord, do that in my life. But the grace extends even beyond that. It extends beyond that because He continues to do the work as we continue to be pliable to His Holy Spirit. He continues to change our internal universe. He continues to change our internal life. He transforms us as we are in relationship with Him. Further we go in relationship with Him, the more transformational work He does in our life. And the theological word there is sanctification. That's the grace of a perfectly holy and loving God. It isn't that you are devoid or empty of something. No, you are fully and completely whole. He actually transforms you in your entirety and He gives you an identity. Listen to me, and I, I, the Holy Spirit gave this last week in our uh, sort of Q&R time, but He gives you this new identity. He transforms us, and He says, you are now my child. You are my daughter. You are my son. That is the Creator God saying that. You are a child of God. You are a follower of the King, Jesus. You're in the kingdom. You're a follower of the King. And you are a yielder to the uh, Lordship. You are a yielder to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's who you are. You're not a failure. You're not a poor father or a crummy student or a, a lousy worker. You're a child of God. You're not a YouTuber. Or a procrastinator? Well, maybe you are. We'll get back to that later. He gives us a new identity. He tells us who we really are. And friends, this is important because the world is about separating the spirit and the body. As though they, those are separate things, but they're not. They're Holistic. He gives us a sense of purpose and mission as followers to testify to this reality in a world that is distracted and disenfranchised. And He gives us a purpose and a mission that requires us to be present in a world that is disembodied. That's what social media has done. It even calls it social media when it's anything but and he says be present that's part of the mission that's incarnation that's what Jesus does so the poor in spirit our internal lives are now transformed and transforming to be cross-shaped a cross-shaped internal universe I want to pause here I'm going to have a little sip of water but I want to pause to see if you have some questions. You're, you're fairly quiet. It's kind of weird standing here talking. 
In my previous church, I was a, it was a lot lower and I was a lot closer to the congregation. So I would wander in to the congregation. I remember when I first did that, I could actually hear blood running from people's heads. <laughs> they were very concerned that I was going to ask them something or make them talk. So I have an inclination that I will start wandering in to you. I don't feel quite good about being higher. But if you have a question, I would like to hear it. And if you want to stand and ask a question, and we'll, we'll take a few minutes, or you can text or email. I think when I wander, get the live stream tech people used to it, but that kind of makes them panic because now they have to figure out how to get their camera angles. Let me begin with this one that came in, uh, Gary. How much of the kingdom of heaven is available today? Second part. Or is only available when Jesus returns? Yeah. How much of the kingdom of heaven is available today? Correct. And how much of it is available when Christ returns? Yeah. Or is it only available when Jesus returns? Yeah. That's good. I put my mute on and I'm still, I think my mic is still on. So, this is, oh, now, okay, very good. Uh, so, that's great. I, I like the question. I like the differentiating between here and later. And I like the phrase, when Christ returns. There, let me start by saying things, three, a couple things. There's three parts to this. One is life now. Then there is life after this life. Because there are a lot of people who have died. And then there's... There's this life, then there's life after this life, but then there's one more life, and that is when Christ returns. So this is not finished until Christ returns. So I like that phrase. And that's when the kingdom of heaven will be finally, perfectly complete on earth. New earth, new heaven. No more sorrow, no more pain, as the song goes. No sin. Infathomable, except it is true. So that's the completion of the external and the internal completion of the kingdom of heaven. But what Jesus is saying already is that the kingdom of heaven is already inaugurated. It is inaugurated or initiated with the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. That means it has already begun. John puts it this way. Those who hear my words and believe him who sent me have eternal life. And do not come into judgment, but have passed out of death into life. That's present. John 5.24, I believe. So have passed already from death to life. So you already have this eternal life and the kingdom of heaven. But what Jesus is trying to explain is that that kingdom of heaven, it gets established firstly in our internal life. In other words, the reign of Christ is demonstrated initially by how we live and the decisions we make and the thoughts we have. So it is already, you will see lots of Occasions where Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven in the gospel. And he keeps saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. So I believe we can expand 
the, if you want to call it, the footprint of the kingdom of heaven by how people follow Jesus and how we adhere to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's good. Let's continue. That's good. How do you stay poor or humble in spirit while growing in confidence with your relationship with Jesus? Mm. Yeah. How do you stay poor or humble in spirit Yes. while growing in yes. confidence in your relationship with Jesus? Yeah, that's good. How do you stay humble and, and, and uh, before Christ? Or how do you remain confident with your relationship and in Christ but also remain humble? That's really good. You know, I, I had a, a theology professor back in my seminary days, and he kind of describes it this way. The, 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 the best way to manage that and balance that is to look away from ourselves and to look at Christ. So my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I, in my relationship with Him, I am not looking to myself to detect all the good and the merit and the things that I am good at, that I deserve, and that, wow, in this relationship, well, look at all the things I've done, and I pray before every meal, and I have my devotions. Ain't I great? Or conversely, I look at myself and I think, man, I'm a louse. I have trouble getting up early in the morning. I'm distracted when I pray. I'm no, I, I just, I'm no good. That's the challenge, the difficulty. The enemy wants to have us look at ourselves. But when we look at Christ, and we understand His character, who He is, that He is loving, we look to Him, and then we understand His relationship, His love and His character and His providence in our life. So we look to Him. We listen to the Holy Spirit. So we look away from ourselves and we look to Christ. And then we have this heart of gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think in there somewhere is at least some help in that balance. Just a comment. I appreciate this. The rock at the bottom sounds low importance, but for me, it's the cornerstone. I think that's just yeah. a great word again, recognizing that it's not just down there right. doing nothing but that right. is actually the beginning it is the cornerstone it is from yes. which everything grows and so yes. thank you for comments as yes. well as questions yeah comments and questions that's really good and again notice we we live our lives are so formed and shaped by metaphors metaphors we live by so challenge them that's what I want to speak to next. So I think if we're, are we, are we good? Yeah, we're good? Okay, thank yeah. you. So even that, this up, what is up, what is down, upside, downside, the rock at the bottom. Yes, the bottom is the foundation. I'm going to invite the music team to come, come to the platform. And, and as I do, thank you. Continue to ask questions. Continue to think critically. I want you to know, Jeff, I want you to know, those of you that are struggling, have struggled, will struggle, the crowd when they heard this, one of the things they heard, and one of the things I want to tell you is the Lord sees you. He sees you. He knows what's going on. 
with you right now. And he is with you. He's not a God far away. He has promised to be with you. He's with you. He's with you. And he invites you. Not once, not twice, but every day. Come and follow me. Be with me. And he also challenges you. And pleads with you and implores you say yes. Yes. So I want to invite you as we embark on this series with Jesus sitting as our trail guide helping us navigating from the internal universe to the out. He's transforming us from the inside out. To examine your internal life to examine your relationship with Jesus, whatever it is, whatever level it's at. Is it stronger than the adversity that you are facing? Is it stronger than the lures of the likes that you have in your view? I want to also encourage you that when someone, a fellow, follower of Jesus is struggling and they are unable to. They want to keep their faith up and their relationship up. But when they are weak and unable to, like Moses with his hand unable to keep it, I also encourage and urge you as followers, brothers and sisters in Christ, to come up beside them, come up beside your brother and sister and hold them up in prayer and in presence, not necessarily in words, but in prayer and presence and uphold them while they shake and rattle. And we will demonstrate our dependence together. We will display the cross. Church, let's stand. And as we prepare to leave here as God's chosen people, let us dedicate this week and look to Him to bless our week, bless our lives, bless the things that we do. Let's sing this this morning.